So I think finding a balance between healthy technology mm-hmm. and relationships is the biggest issue. We can pretend technology is not there. We can take the devices away from our children, but we are very naive, I think, if we believe that we can stop technology. It is not going away. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. How much have you thought about how culture today affects your parenting? It's a really interesting topic. One of the things that today's culture has to deal with that previous generations did not is the use of screen time. Screens I'm defining as iPhones, iPads, laptop computers. There are definitely some advantages to the use of these as in education and some forms of healthy entertainment, but there is a real downside to this too. There is a secular organization called Youth First, and they list several benefits of limiting screen time for your kids and what would be the result. The things that they list are improved sleep habits, better focus and brain function, increased academic success, decrease in obesity, better vision, and lower risk of anxiety and depression. Wow, what a list. Are we thinking about that as we parent our kids? Well, Janine McNally is with us today, and she has some really, really strong insight and research behind some of this. So let's hop in and listen to what she has to say today about the culture and parenting. We are here today with Janine McNally, and she is very studied and experienced in children's ministry and parenting. She is bringing to light the topic of Generation Alpha. Janine, could you share with us, before we begin, just a little bit about yourself, about what brought you to the passion that you have for children's ministry and for parenting? Well, thank you for having me, first of all. It's been really fun meeting you. Where did this all begin? I I grew up in Australia. I was born and raised in Australia, so you might notice my accent. I detected a little accent A little one, Uh uh-huh. And I was a high school teacher, and I took leave after four years of teaching high school and went to a Bible college uh, over in Australia, and I loved it. I was there three years, and I wanted to further my education by learning biblical languages. I love Greek. I want to learn Hebrew. I know that's really weird, um, <laughs> but there were no schools to taught that. So I came over to the States to do my uh, Master of Theology at Dallas Seminary, and that's where I met my husband. So we have been married 30 years this year. Wow, that happened quickly. I am visiting my daughter and her son-in-law who just had twin boys a few <sighs> weeks back, and they're our first grandchildren, and we're on three hourly feeds through the night. And so I am a little strung out. But yeah, so this August, we're celebrating 30 years. Real long story short, we had three children. The oldest is 28. Our youngest is 18. She was a surprise. Good surprise. As being a high school teacher in Australia, I was very set on public school education until they put that little baby in my arms. And I said, there is no way anybody's getting their hands on my child for eight hours every day. And all of a sudden I became a wonderful proponent of homeschooling. 
something that was not well known in Australia, but over here it was. And so we started homeschooling her and we homeschooled all of our kids through from start to finish, except for our son. We expelled him in ninth grade <laughs> because he was a bit more challenging. So he finished school at a Christian high school. But yeah, so that's where I developed my passion for godly and Christian parenting. And my husband was a pastor. We had been in ministry for a while. He stepped out. We moved to Colorado. And that's when I stepped into a staff position at my church in children's ministry and began to get a real passion for that, knowing that they're the most receptive at, at the younger ages. When I asked people, when did you first become a believer? It was when usually before the age of 12. And so that to me made children's ministry the most important ministry in the church because that's when you can reach them. So I stepped out of that position a year ago and became a doctoral student. I'm doing my doctor of ministries at Grace School of Theology. And then I had the opportunity to step in as a faculty member and teach children's ministry. And as I was prepping for that, I was doing some research and I came across a footnote that talked about Generation Alpha. And so that's where I got the passion for writing my book, When You See Fireflies. It's about to be released in May. I'm very excited about that. And Generation Alpha, yeah. I'm like, what is Generation Alpha? That was my question. When you talked to me about that, I was not familiar with that term, Generation Alpha. Yeah. I certainly knew that that was an age that existed, but I didn't know about that term and that there were some real unique ways to approach Generation Alpha. What are some of those ways? How do you approach Generation Alpha differently? Yeah. I mean, you've heard of Generation Z and Millennials and, mm -hmm. and all those. Well, Generation Alpha, they're the kids born between 2010 and 2024. So the youngest have yet to be born. Our brand new grandbabies, they are alphas and the oldest alphas are 12 to 13 years of age. And they're just now moving into their middle school years. So this time we have with Generation Alpha is now they're here already. And think about it for a second. I have a, a couple of millennials and a Generation Z, and I talked with them about their experience with technology as they were growing up. And for the most part, they did not get their cell phones until they were in high school or later. For our oldest, there was no social media until they were nearly young adults. And for all of them, the first time they had their hands on a laptop computer of any kind was mainly for schoolwork. But Generation Alpha, the very first generation to be born into a world of technology that is already here oh. and that is advancing at an enormous rate to the point where I can't keep up with what is artificial intelligence and robotics and things that are flying at us so quickly, but they're in it already. So the other day I was at a restaurant with my husband and we were having dinner and to the left of us was a table with a young family, two young girls, probably three and five. And on the table, I noticed they had a children's menu. You know how when you flip that over, there's usually a coloring sheet or activities and they give them crayons. It was sitting in the center of the table and they were on iPads. And that to me is a picture of Generation Alpha. They have been called the glass generation because they're already on their devices from almost from birth. iPads are shoved in their hands as babysitters and they are not afraid to navigate touchscreens. They are touching buttons and very familiar with that from a young age. So they're mm. a completely different generation from any other that has existed before. So that will no doubt cause 
differences, unique characteristics as we see them grow up. Then on top of that, they had COVID at a very young age developmentally. And I think we have yet to see how that's going to really impact them as they grow up. So very unique situation with that. And I think for me, I find the whole parenting differences very interesting. I don't know if you've seen the TV show that's running right now called The Parent Test. They bring on 12 sets of parents who all believe in different ways of parenting. There's the natural parents who want to go at the child's pace. There's the intensive ones that want to push and maximize their potential. There are new age parents who want to empower their kids to be flexible. There's routine parents who create a structure. So there's a lot of different, 12 different kinds of parents. Um, And then they assess them, give them tasks and evaluate whether they're effective. To me, that's fascinating. I love watching that to find out what the world sees parenting as now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have my own philosophy mm-hmm. of parenting and the, the whole aspect of being a godly parent doesn't show up in the TV show, but right. I do believe that's the foundation for any successful parenting, no matter which way your personality leads you. If you don't have God at the center, I just think it's doomed for failure, no matter what you do. Right. So yeah, right. so that's kind of where it all came along. You've got all that research behind you that makes this very, very interesting. Plus, you have the experience of being the mom of all different ages. And I think that is so valuable. So I'm so glad that you're going to share some of that with us today. Sure. So you've touched a little bit about how the culture has changed with the screens and all. Are there other ways that that you can think of that culture has changed? Oh my goodness. To me, as I was thinking through this, COVID with these little children, they had many of their significant events canceled. They were confined to their homes, wearing face masks and all of the impact of that. And I think Generation Z is a good example of working through that and seeing the impact that it's having on them. Our youngest, Jamie, is about to graduate at Colorado Christian University, but she tells us constantly about stories of her classmates, all committed Christian kids. This is a very good school. And she tells us stories of suicidal thoughts where they take somebody to the hospital because they're struggling or um, they're cutting themselves, self-harm, struggling with high levels of anxiety, eating disorders, ADHD, PTSD, OCD. Uh, I mean, all the different initials. There's so many issues that they are struggling with right now that I can't imagine how that's going to impact these younger kids that are coming up. Then you add to that the disillusion of the nuclear family. It's gone. Divorce Mm -hmm. families are now in the majority. We have single parents. We have disengaged fathers. We've got working mothers. The whole family is turned upside down. And then on top of that, we have issues that have been settled as facts for years and are now questioned and being up for debate, including marriage gender and sexuality, it's all being redefined. And these little kids, they are not equipped to be able to cope with these issues. So your child goes to school and comes home and says, mom, today Mary became Mark. I don't, what is going on? Or Christopher was there wearing a dress. You know, what, why? And the questions they're raising, their little minds aren't capable of figuring those things out. 
So how is the culture affecting things? Oh my goodness. I don't think there could be a worse time. In my book, I start off with Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World song. You know, we see trees of green and red roses and everything's wonderful. And I'm thinking <laughs> this world may be wonderful in a sense of nature, but so many things are going wrong. And it's when you think about from that perspective, it's incredibly depressing. Right. Uh, how, how are we going to raise our kids to survive this mm -hmm. generation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, this has been quite a few years that my daughter, who is soon to be 40, actually, went to college and she came home even then and said, Mom and Dad, thank you. You are one of the few parents that are still together Mm -hmm. And she experienced so many friends who had split up parents and she thanked us mm -hmm. for being together. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> that yeah. was a kind of a surprise. So it started quite a few years ago and mm -hmm. yeah, but it's, it's just skyrocketing. The issues are skyrocketing. Janine, given all the cultural change and all the things going on in our culture, what do you think is the biggest problem for parents in raising kids today? I think for parents of Generation Alpha, these zero to 12 year olds, I think finding a balance between healthy technology mm -hmm. and relationships is the biggest issue. We can pretend technology is not there. We can take the devices away from our children, but we are very naive, I think, if we believe that we can stop technology. It is not going away. So mm -hmm. we need to find healthy boundaries where as parents, we can allow them. There's a chapter in my book called Addicts or Experts. We can define these kids as being tech addicts, or we can say, you know what? These kids are going to turn into the most incredible technology experts alive, doing mm -hmm. things that we don't even know exist right now. So yeah. we need to find a balance between the two. And at the same time, the other flip side of that is they say that Generation Z, the teenagers and up right now, even though they're the most engaged on social media, they are the loneliest generation mm -hmm. and they are starved for relationships. So as a parent raising these little kids, we need to find a balance. So we can't eliminate technology, but we can to a degree control it. But once they get to their teen years, you know, you can put all the apps you want on those iPhones, but they'll find a way around how to access information that we may not want them to know. So we need mm -hmm. to use the first 12 years to train them in mm -hmm. what is good information and create a good worldview, in other words. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the world is indoctrinating them strongly with a worldview that involves atheism and pantheism and humanism, all these isms. And we have to somehow counteract the secular worldview training that they're getting in the schools and the media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree that parents are really faced with some issues now and having boundaries is the answer. And I know there are families that don't believe in boundaries, that just mm -hmm. think that the kids will grow up and they'll just side things for themselves. Yeah. And there are some parents that use too strict of boundaries, and mm -hmm. that's not good either. Those kids, they can be rebellious when they've had yeah. such strong boundaries. So yeah. that balance is really, really hard. What are maybe a practical tool to enforce a boundary without being oppressive? Do you have any ideas about that? 
Well, it's kind of kind of like what I was mentioning before about the restaurant. I mm-hmm. think when there are things that are provided for your children to do that is outside the realm of technology, have mm-hmm. them do that. I would not have given my child an iPad at that restaurant. For years, as our kids were little, we used to travel quite a bit in the car. And I think it was four Christmases in a row, my husband bought one of those DVD players that you could plug into your cigarette lighter. This was years ago. Mm -hmm. And for four years, I returned them to the store. And I said to him, I don't want them watching movies in the car. I want them reading your book. Mm-hmm. So there were certain things and we, we allowed movies that, that wasn't the point. The point was we created boundaries that worked for us and every couple needs to come up with their own boundaries. I think that work for them and it is impacted by your personality for sure. But for me, the car ride was not for movies. The car ride was for reading books or for mm-hmm. doing an activity of some kind mm-hmm. in a restaurant. We had the activity pages, I would never have given them my phone. So creating boundaries that work for you when you tell your child no to technology so that they they know that there are times when it's okay. And then there are times when it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I might add some of the greatest times in the car to looking out the window and seeing scenery you haven't seen before. Absolutely. Because to have them miss something that we just drove by that was an amazing mountain or something. Mm -hmm. Singing silly songs. Yes. Um, Yeah. Our kids listen to Focus on the Family Adventures in Odyssey tapes um, through headjacks back then. Mm -hmm. And they loved that. So just anything but screens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. This is the first of the interview series with Janine McNally. There is much, much more to come. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss her future segments. Thank you so much. And I just pray that you will remember to rest in the Lord this week. Mm -hmm.